Hey, what's going on? I hope you are well and having a good week so far. Uh, so I just wanted to put out a quick bonus episode around the Ethereum merge. Now, if you're involved or learning about this space, I'm sure you'll have seen people talk about the merge, uh, but possibly aren't fully across what the merge actually is, what it means, and how it might affect you as a holder or user of the Ethereum network. Uh, so I've asked the brilliant Fatline, aka George, back on the show. Uh, we did an episode all about uh, blockchains and NFTs um, a little while ago in December. Definitely worth checking that one out. If you haven't already, uh, George is a blockchain and smart contract developer across a whole variety of projects, including the very successful generative collection Wavelength by Caleb Johnston. He's also the founder of Wush Labs and the perfect person to talk to us about all of this. Uh, George is really great at explaining this stuff in a way that is easy to understand. So as I say, the perfect guest for this show and someone to definitely follow and reach out to as well. All of his links and socials are in the show notes. It is a bonus episode, but also obviously want to shout out the awesome Every realm uh, of course for sponsoring and always supporting the show uh, there's a link in the description as well to request an invite to the row uh, which is a members only community in the metaverse a master planned real estate development that looks epic uh, one you don't want to miss out on uh, make sure you check that out alongside everything else they're up to at everyrealm.com uh, thank you for listening and your support as well uh, my links are also below uh, and as always nothing in this episode is financial or investment advice always do your own research and with that said let's dive into this episode George, good to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Hello, hello. Nice to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we did this uh, amazing episode you came on before when you really broke down um, some of the technical stuff in a way that people could understand in terms of what is a blockchain and why NFTs can have value and stuff. So um, definitely go check that out if you haven't already, if you're listening and you want a bit of backstory. But uh, we've dived on this episode to do a, a kind of bonus emergency podcast, if you like. It was your joke, uh, emergency. <laughs> it was a good joke though, wasn't it? It was a good joke. I had to put it in. Around the Ethereum merge, which is rapidly approaching. So the current uh, predictions, which which may change, it's kind of updating all the time, is that the Ethereum merge, which we're going to explain a little bit more about what that is, is set to kind of take place on the 15th of September around 8 a.m. UTC time which you can actually put in Google if you want to track it. You can write Ethereum Merge and it's, it's got a little tracker that Google have made so of when it's going to happen, which is cool. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a big kind of conversation in the space. I'm sure if you're into this space, you'll have heard about it, but you might not fully understand kind of what's going on. So this episode is is uh, a simple kind of explanation of just the kind of top line of stuff. So yeah, George, you're you're kind of great at explaining this stuff in a way that people can understand. So let's start with the basics, really. In its kind of most basic form, what is happening? What What is the merge and why is it kind of significant for this whole space? Yeah, sure. So, and the merge is significant because one of the main kind of narratives against NFTs and, and blockchains has always been energy consumption. So that's kind of something you hear quite often when you talk to people who aren't necessarily in the space. Um, it's one of the things they've read somewhere or, or been told about that's why NFTs are bad is because of the yeah because of the environmental and energy use of the network that runs the whole process. Um, so with the merge, then they're updating the entire network to run in a much more energy efficient way. So kind of zooming out a tiny bit, then the blockchain, the Ethereum blockchain is a, is a distributed load of computers running the network all over the world. And they're, they're changing kind of fundamentally how those computers manage the network to make it much more energy efficient. And their estimates are it will drop the energy consumption by about 99.9%. So it's not just a small fix, it's completely kind of eradicating the problem of, of a blockchain using lots of energy by changing from this idea of proof of work to this thing called proof of stake, which we'll go into bit more in a bit i guess absolutely yeah and and yes it's, that's exactly well explained and you know ethereum uh, as people will know is is the second largest cryptocurrency by market cap so uh roughly a kind of 210 billion dollar market cap and 
uh, the fundamental layer for a lot of, of NFTs. So yeah, this has an effect kind of broadly in, in the space for sure. And one of the main narratives, as you've said, and especially in kind of mainstream news is, is around this energy thing. So uh, yeah, this is this is very significant. We kind of dived into this in more detail in the last episode, but just as maybe like a simple top line recap, what is the difference between proof of work and proof of stake mining, which is where Ethereum is, is kind of transitioning from proof of work to proof of stake? Sure. So yeah, when you've got a blockchain, then the problem um, with a blockchain is you've got to have a way of making sure that one person or one entity isn't able to control the whole network. So it's really important that there isn't someone who's able to come in and just change data on the blockchain to be whatever they want it to be. Otherwise, people could give themselves NFTs and money and whatever whatever else. So it's really important that it's secured in a way that um, yeah, means that someone can't own over 50% of the, the network or run 50% of the network. So the trick to that is you have to slow them down how quickly they can process transactions. Traditionally, this has been done with proof of work, which is a bit like all of the computers on the network sitting there constantly rolling a dice over and over again and then the first person to roll a six is then rewarded and allowed to mine that block which we call it which basically process that block of transactions which is the all the transactions that have happened in the last sort of 50 or 14 seconds so the blockchain happens in in blocks of 14 seconds and yeah all the transactions that happen in that time people compete to be allowed to mine that block and then they're rewarded by being paid some ether um, for the trouble of having had their computer be the one that processed those transactions so in computer sense then work is just processing so it's just when you actually uh, do maths with a computer then that's called work and yeah the way that it's worked up till now is a kind of race basically between all the different computers they're all competing with each other and everyone's trying to generate these random numbers essentially and the first one to get a six it's not quite as simple as that but that's a sort of simplified version of it um is, is then able to mine the block the trouble with this is that it incentivizes people to run computers as fast as they possibly can so they will buy really fast graphics cards um this is why we haven't been able to buy graphics cards for the last few years as well because all of them got bought up for crypto mining and yeah this is also yeah incentivizes them to run run it as quickly as possible and to have as many as possible as well so to have massive server farms full of these cards that are running the network so that's been how things have worked up until now there's an alternative to that which is proof of stake which is actually how quite a few other blockchains have always run so things like tezos and other blockchains have always been proof of stake and the way that works is instead of having to run a computer really fast you just put some money or some crypto up as, as a stake so uh, if you put up 32 ether that gives you the right to have a validator node which is essentially a computer which is then a able to process transactions and you get randomly awarded Ethereum or Ether as the sort of prize for doing that or your award for doing that. So instead of having to run a computer really fast, you just put some money up. And if you're then found to be doing anything dodgy, like trying to change things or, or do anything illegal or, or against uh, yeah, well, change change data, then you lose your money. So that's how you kind of, if someone finds that you've done something wrong, then they can remove your stake that you've put into the network. So it means that the network can actually be run on much simpler machines. It doesn't need a super fast graphics card to run things it can actually be run on, on eventually mobile and on laptops and other computers so it's probably will lead to lots more people being ethereum validators which is really good for the network because the more people that are validating it the kind of more secure it is and the more distributed it is so the less chance there is of it ever going down because there's more people um, if, if even if part of the network goes down for some reason, if there's a country where they lose internet access or something, then there's enough nodes in other places in the world that it will still run fine um, because everything's kind of running in parallel. 
yeah no it's, that's very well explained and it's it's really interesting conversation and, and it can get kind of very nuanced and we'll have to see what happens because nobody uh, definitely knows kind of how this is all going to play out but it's interesting isn't it that it's moving from instead of using a lot of energy like you explained in that in that first proof of work system to um, being able to kind of stake this ethereum to, to secure the network in a different way i guess there's kind of arguments that oh maybe that would end up being slightly more sort of centralized in one sense because people who've got a lot of money might be able to to run these nodes but then the flip side of that is as you said uh, actually uh, you don't need really powerful computers to do it so that might open up access to, to anyone can do it or people can pull funds together to, to stake it together um, so it's just a different system isn't it but the energy consumption as we mentioned is, is a key thing that's changing which um, most likely will lead to, to more adoption I guess is the, is the kind of interesting point yeah I think it's definitely been a barrier for, for some people getting into into using the network if that if that's the only thing they know about Ethereum is that it, it guzzles loads of energy particularly at the moment and I think it's quite timely that this is when they're doing the switch because there's obviously lots of problems with energy at the moment and um, there's a lot of focus on it and I think it's uh, it should be quite a good catalyst for sort of some people that may be reluctant to get involved before um, this is one of the barriers is going to be removed and as you say also yeah people who want to be validators themselves it now requires just quite simple hardware and much easier for people to do that. Yeah, no, it's uh, well said. And um, yeah, and, and there's also nuances, I guess, like proof of work isn't necessarily bad. It's, it's used for kind of different things. Bitcoin runs a proof of work and actually for Bitcoin, for money um, of what it's trying to achieve, it probably is the best system versus this, which is maybe more kind of for mass adoption and other purposes. Proof of stake seems good. But we'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of um, stop at that level. But that's, yeah, thank you for that. It's really well explained. And there's other things that are uh, people are expecting to happen as well. The supply issuance of Ether, the currency of Ethereum is likely to drop, making it a sort of deflationary currency which um, maybe we won't go fully into but people are kind of thinking because of this uh, systematic change that actually there'll be kind of less ethereum going around maybe the price will go up because of that we'll see and, and that'll be a conversation that probably goes on uh, after the merge for sure people at the minute are, are pretty confident generally that the merge will take place because there's been plenty of testing of this on kind of test networks to check everything by the developers so yeah i'd say people are confident there's, there's always a risk isn't there that it won't work and that you know it's, it is a very technical thing so uh, yeah that there is a risk here as well right yeah, I mean, I may, I may end up with egg on my face, but I'm pretty confident that it, it's going to be absolutely fine. They, they've they've tested it a lot. Um, and so th the way that they've kind of gone about doing this is, is they've created a whole new uh, chain which is called the Beacon Chain. And that's been running for, I think, about 18 months now, so quite a while. And that's been running in parallel with the main Ethereum blockchain. And that's been running as a proof of stake chain. So... The reason it's called the merge is because they're taking those two chains and merging them into one. And so it sort of has been proved that it, it works on this other chain. And they've also done the actual process of merging the two, as you said, on the various test networks. So test networks are just copies of, of again, copies of the Ethereum blockchain that, that developers use to test out their contracts and other things. And they've run a sort of dry run of the merge on all of those test networks. And it was kind of went without a hitch. So I think there's, yeah, it, it, it would have gone wrong already if, if it was going to go wrong um, obviously it is a, it is a massive thing that they're doing it is a bit like kind of hot swapping out the engine of a car mid-journey so it is quite a technical challenge um, but it's already kind of deployed and and the the change that is going to trigger the merge to happen has already gone live onto the network um, and we're now just waiting for a certain number of blocks before it will then be it will switch over so it's kind of now a process where it will all be automated it's just the network will hit a certain number and then from then on it will move over to proof of stake so yeah I, I don't foresee any any kind of massive problems that there, there may be some issues around the sides in terms of some of the apps that interact with 
the network might need updating or, or small tweaks to them. Um, I think all of the big NFT marketplaces have already done a lot of that work to be prepared for it, but it's possible that there might be a few edge cases, but I think that the actual core network and the data on it that should all be pretty seamless and move straight over to this other chain. So yeah, I think it is something to be aware of, but I think it's not. there's not a big risk of it going wrong, really. Nice, nice. Good, yeah. good to know. Fingers crossed for that. Um, and at the moment that the merge actually takes place, what is kind of happening and what will be sort of the result for the, for the average user? Yeah, that's the weird thing, isn't it? So it's been such a big talking point over the last few months. Um, if they do everything right, then an average Ethereum user won't notice any difference in how they use the network, their NFTs, their currency, anything that, you know, anything they're using it for shouldn't change at all. That's kind of the point, right? Is that it's, they didn't want to change the experience. They just wanted to change the engine. That's what like, they wanted to change how it was running, how it was being powered. So yeah, we shouldn't see, and this is actually a, a quite an important point is that uh, this may be used as an opportunity by scammers to try and trick people into thinking they need to do things like upgrade their NFTs or upgrade their currency, convert it from ETH zero to or ETH one to ETH two, or you know, that people might try all sorts of different things. So um something that's really important to watch out for is is any messages or tweets or anything like that that are sort of suggesting that you need to do anything like that. You don't you don't need to do anything at all as a, as an Ethereum holder or a user of the network to to kind of prepare for this. It it will all just happen behind the scenes. You'll log back into your wallet and you'll still have all of your assets that you had before and they will be able to be traded and used as they ever were so yeah please don't don't believe anything you see about uh needing to upgrade or anything like that yeah yeah it's a really important point isn't it that uh, yeah you you don't need to do anything at all it's going to happen and and uh yeah carry on without your intervention which which is good yeah an important point behind the scenes maybe you could explain a little bit like um am i right thinking that really proof of stake is a copy of the proof of work chain which will still exist so for a while kind of everything's going to be copied but probably the consensus is that the old proof of work chain will begin to get less supported and and everything on that chain will sort of have no value but who's to say i guess yeah close yeah so it's not quite so what will actually happen is that the the current ethereum chain will continue and we'll switch over to proof of stake but what there's been a lot of talk about is that there are some people who are ethereum miners who would quite like to continue a proof of work ethereum chain maybe because they've invested a lot of money and equipment to be able to actually do that so they've bought lots of, of their graphics cards and hardware to be able to run this network so and there are also some people who believe very strongly in the concept of proof of work as being a better way of securing a network this is kind of an ongoing debate within the space so what what there's talk of is that some of those miners will create a fork of the ethereum blockchain and create essentially a new version which will stay as it was pre-merge so the one that we'll continue to interact with isn't a new chain at all it's going to be the same one as it was but there may be a fork that comes off that is then a proof of work fork where they essentially don't do this upgrade but everything else is the same and yeah that does leave a slightly strange situation where uh, if you copy a, a blockchain at a given point in time which is what a fork is so you sort of take a copy of it and then you take it off in a different direction any assets that are on that blockchain will then exist on both chains. So it could be that if, if this goes ahead and someone does a fork or people, a group of people do a, a fork of proof of work, then all of our Ether and our NFTs will exist on on both chains, um, which sounds great in principle, maybe free either, but there is actually a, a small uh, caveat or something to be really wary of with this. People are not sure yet what those coins or NFTs would trade at if they'd have any value at all. A lot of the marketplaces have said they won't support a board ape or whatever it might be on on the proof of work fork of Ethereum, so they only would 
would support the proof of stake original chain version of that asset. You might be tempted to sell your NFTs on the proof of work chain because they might not be of any value to you. Um, there is a yeah a danger with doing that, which is this thing called replay attacks. And replay attacks are where someone takes a transaction that has been validated or accepted on one chain and then runs that same transaction on the other chain. And if everything matches, if the address that is sending the NFT, for example, and the address that's receiving the NFT all match on both chains, then they can take that same transaction and just run the whole thing on the other chain because you've already approved it on this chain, you've signed it with your private key, then that number kind of computes and is then accepted by the network as a valid transaction because at that point they were split into the two. So we have to be really careful about, again, anyone contacting you saying they want to buy your proof of work NFTs for whatever price. If it's a price in ETH that you wouldn't accept on the main chain, then don't accept it on the proof of work chain because it would be possible for that person to then go. So if I bought your clone of you for, I don't know, one Ethereum, then I could then go on to the main Ethereum network and replay that transaction. And then it would send me your clone and it would send you one Ethereum, which might not be a price you would be willing to part with it for. So it's, um yeah, that's another kind of little area where I think there might be some people trying to take advantage of some of the confusion. Yeah. So I think the best, the best advice with, if there is a proof of work fork of Ethereum um, is probably not to engage with it unless you really know what you're doing um, because you could get burnt by it a bit. Um, you could think, I mean, it's the same as anything. If something sounds too good to be true or, you know, you don't get anything for nothing. So yeah, it's it's probably best avoided doing any trading on that until it's kind of a bit clearer what, what the situation is going to be with this fork. My guess is that it won't have massive adoption. I think the, the majority of the people who use the Ethereum network are probably quite happy with it moving to proof of stake and that that's where the focus will be going forward with the main kind of core Ethereum devs. But we don't, we don't know. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, so that's really important. That's yeah, that's not something I was fully aware of. You did a great tweet thread on it. I'll link uh, George's Twitter below in the show notes. Definitely um, give George a follow. But uh, yeah, that's that's an important point, isn't it? And is that really? Uh, I mean, we'll see. And and as the marketplace is kind of opened, I'm sure there'll be um, instructions and stuff and stuff there as time goes on. But is that really a risk? Like at the time of the merge and immediately after that, then we'll will be kind of uh, you know get got rid of later on as it becomes more stable. Well, it's and in theory, it's something that could happen at any time. Um, after the merge if you were to go and start doing stuff on this other network but it's not something that could happen kind of without you'd have to go in specifically like can change your wallet to being running on this other network which probably won't be one of the default ones in the list so you'd, you'd have to go through quite a few steps before you would be in a place where you could be susceptible to something like that it's um <laughs> but it, it, you could also imagine someone you know coming into your direct messages and saying you know i'm gonna it's a great way for you to make some free money um sell me your all of your nfts on your proof of work here's how you log on to the proof of work chain through your wallet and here's all the steps and someone could kind of coach you through that that process without really you realizing what was going on so that's just something to be aware of i think i mean if you do nothing then nothing will go wrong um it's not like there's no risk it's only if you go, if you were to go out of your way and try and sell your stuff on this other chain or sell your your tokens it's one of those uh, rare scenarios where actually being lazy in this exact moment and doing nothing might well be the uh, the best thing to do which is that might be the play yeah and i mean there's no guarantee that there will even be a proof of work fork um, it's just been something that's been some speculation around um 
and I think it is quite likely because there are a lot of people who've you know spent a lot of money building up the equipment needed to be an efficient miner of Ethereum, and that whole kind of industry is essentially going away. Um, some of those people will switch to other coins, so maybe they'll start mining other coins that are still proof of work, and some of them might pack it in and, and just switch over to being validators. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, just yet to see what happens because uh, we'll see how it plays out. There was a similar kind of thing back in 2017 around Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, which uh, wasn't exactly the same, but um, yes, there were these kind of these two competing things for value, and uh, and the main Bitcoin really won out, but there was some residual value on the other one. So it'll be interesting just to follow kind of from the outside. And um, I think that's uh, that's so great. Thank you for explaining that in, in a really simple way, and and really the message is uh, if you're not sure, probably do nothing, and uh, you don't need to do anything at all. And um, there'll be some other updates which we won't go into now, but you people might hear about uh, these other updates later down the line, which all rhyme, which was a nice. Uh... We've all seen Vitalik's rapping, haven't we? So we know he's about <laughs> well yeah exactly yeah there's some uh, good vitalic memes on the internet uh they are called the surge the verge the purge and the splurge which i think was a tiktok video or something very similar um, that i've seen but anyway that's probably for a, another episode later down the line but yeah i think that's uh, such a brilliant little emergency podcast and a uh, little overview of the merge so uh, fingers crossed it all it all kind of goes goes well and um yeah make sure you give uh, george a follow in the show notes and um yeah i'm sure we'll all be watching very closely so it's a big moment for the whole space Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me on. Let's catch up soon. Yeah, we'll do. Appreciate it. Cheers, ma'am. So there we go. Thank you very much, George, for coming back on the show. Uh, the last episode we did was one of the most listened to. So I think there's definitely an appetite for uh, trying to understand this stuff in a way that is simple and accessible. Uh, makes sense. And George is brilliant at that. So thank you, George. Uh, thank you to Everrealm for sponsoring the show, as always. And most of all, to you for listening. And um, if you would like to leave a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to the show, that is always massively appreciated and really uh, supports the show. Uh, but have a great rest of the week. Fingers crossed for the merge and I will chat to you uh, in the next episode.